following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So today we're concluding our Faith at Home series. If you're just joining us, we've spent the last six months or so thinking about ways that we can uh, live out our faith and follow Jesus beyond our walls. That's this thematic thread that has been going through our whole ministry year. It will continue for the next six months or so. Um, a little less than that now. I guess it is technically February, isn't it? Um, so we've been thinking about living our faith beyond our walls, and a big part of that is, of course, what we do in our homes. And so for the last four or five weeks, that's been our specific topic, faith at home. Thank you, Shane. We began this series with a look way back into the deep underground roots of our faith, We looked at a passage in the Old Testament scriptures where Moses reminds the Israelites who God is and how they ought to serve him. Um, You probably remember this if you've been with us from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Then he says, keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so we spent some time in that first week, and then we followed up in the second week, thinking about how well we as a community are doing with those aspects of faith. Do we talk about our story with God when we're at home, with our kids or with whomever lives with us? Do we talk about them when we are away? whether we're together or with others. And what do we do in those precious moments on either side of sleep when we're lying down to go to bed and when we're getting up in the morning? And are there any visual markers of our faith in our homes that tell others and that remind us who we are and to whom we belong? And last week we talked about the relationships that begin at home, whether with spouses or roommates or parents or children or neighbors or anyone else, about how mutual submission, about being subject to one another, is the key to healthy, godly relationships that are modeled on the love of Christ. And so today we're going to think just for a few minutes about how our homes can be sanctuaries. Home is a sanctuary. I have some Actually, fairly brief thoughts on this, uh, because I want to take a few minutes at the end here to highlight an opportunity for all of us to practice our faith at home in a really important way that that might be a new way for you, it might be old hat for you, probably for many of you it's going to be somewhere in between. But first, before we get to that, home is a sanctuary. I wonder what you think of when you hear the word sanctuary. Do you have a picture that comes into your mind? when you hear the word sanctuary, this question is probably a foolproof way to determine whether you are a churchy person or not, right? What I think of when I think of sanctuary, the word sanctuary, is I think of a a big room with vaulted ceilings, faded red carpet, um, very large but uh, actually quite bland stained glass windows. Uh, They're Protestant stained glass windows, so they're like, just like rectangles and triangles and things of different colors. 
matching um, uh, hurricane-style chandeliers hanging from those vaulted ceilings that I would stare up at and trace with my eyes during very long, boring sermons. Not like the ones here, right, kids? <laughs> we don't have any chandeliers, so I don't know what you have to, to look at, but... And I, I joke sometimes about, you know, uh, you've heard me talk about my home church before. The truth is that that is the place where I understood faith for the first time, and it's a very real and meaningful part of my history, despite the fact that um, I, I would now not probably choose to worship in that particular place. That's what I think of because I'm a churchy person, right? If you're not a churchy person, you might think of the, the first definition in the, in the dictionary of sanctuary, which is kind of like a, a safe place, a harbor, right? A refuge. So when I say that our homes ought to be sanctuaries, I mean actually both meanings of, of the word. So we want our homes to be places where we have worship and fellowship with other believers. And we also want our homes to be places that are places of safety and refuge, not only for ourselves, but for others whom we might invite into our homes. So I want to give you a couple of Bible passages to consider. Um, I'm not going to ask you to to read along in this case because I am going to go through them fairly quickly, but I want you to think about these things. These These are little windows into the early life of the church. These passages come from the book of Acts, which is um, more completely titled Acts of the Apostles. It tells the story of what happened in the Christian church following the resurrection of Jesus. And the first one I want to read to you is from Acts 2. If you'd like to follow along and you're quick getting to the Bible page, you're welcome to do that. But again, um, I'm not going to really unpack this too much. This says that awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. And now hear this. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Then a few chapters later, in Acts chapter 5, there's a story in which the leaders of the church are being persecuted by the Jewish authorities. And it says this, tells the story of, you know, kind of like a trial that goes on and somebody convinces them not to bother the, uh, these apostles. And when they had called the apostles in, they had them flogged, which is an interesting way not to bother them, um, but it's <laughs> better than what was going to happen to them. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. As they left the council, they rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. And now hear this. And every day in the temple and at home, they did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. Um, So a little bit of civil disobedience there. Actually quite a lot of civil disobedience there, but that's not the point. Did you hear this, this similar phrase in both of these passages? Talking about this parallel, locational um, expression of faith. In the temple and at home. That's where Christianity was practiced in its early days. In the Jewish temple and in the homes of people. It goes on. 
Elsewhere in the book of Acts, Paul says that he has proclaimed the message from house to house. And as the gospel begins to spread, the apostles and leaders of the church who are traveling uh, stay in the houses of early converts, many times to avoid persecution and prosecution by the Roman authorities and the Jewish authorities who are trying to hunt down these early Christians and prevent them from spreading the gospel. So you can see in these stories both meanings of the word sanctuary, right? They're worshiping in the homes. They're making the homes a safe place. Both of those things are true. And we could certainly think about our own homes. There's lots of ways that we could talk about how to worship in our homes and how to make our homes uh, safe refuges for people. It doesn't actually take very much imagination to do that. All it takes is a little bit of intentionality. So I guess if I was going to really hammer this point, I would just say, like, do it. (laughs) Um, If it were a different week, I might spend some more time thinking through that with you and and maybe asking you to to share together about that. Uh, I would encourage you to do that on your own. Think about how your home can be a sanctuary. How can it be a place of worship and fellowship? And how can it be a place that's a place of safety for people? But instead of going too far down that road this morning, I want to take the rest of our time and shift gears slightly. I want to talk about one very specific way that we can practice our faith at home. Um, It's it's a way to apply all the stuff that we've talked about in this series, not just the the uh, sanctuary stuff, but all the stuff we've talked about. Um, You know. How to, how to keep those words of faith present in our, in our minds when we're home, when we're out. How to strengthen our relationships within our families and roommates and friends and all those things. Um, I think all of those things can be accomplished really well in a small group setting. This is something that we have done in, uh, with various degrees of success at Artisan over the years. And we are making a, a really big push the beginning of 2014 to make this happen. And so I'm going to invite James Sconfito to come up with me. And uh, James is a member of our leadership team, and he's the leader of our small groups ministry. And I want to talk... Yeah, you can sit, sure. You have to hold my water for me, though. Just kidding. So, um... Hi, James. Hi. Say hi to James. Hi, James. guys. <laughs> I don't know why I drink coffee before I know. Like, <laughs> You're a little jittery. I'm going to hold that a little closer. Yes. There you go. Oh, did you hear that? It came right through the subs. That's good. So I talked a minute ago about how sanctuary is kind of a churchy word and uh, for some of us. And I think small groups is also kind of a churchy word. So if you've, if you've spent time in uh, the Christian subculture, you, you probably have heard this phrase, but I don't assume that you all have. In fact, I really always hope that there are people in the room who haven't. And so, can you just explain what a small group is and, and sort of translate that for people who don't speak the language of the sure. church? Sure, yeah. My, my concept of a small group is people getting together to discuss what's going on in their lives, uh, discuss their faith with each other, and learn about God together, and learn about each other together. Yeah, thank you. So, with the help of the leadership team... Um, You've laid out some, some values 
for what an artisan small group looks like. You printed them out for me. I did, but I don't know where they went, though. So do you have them? At the gallery last time, I spoke without notes, and I swore I would never do it again. <laughs> Actually, I did. They're right here. Okay. Um, you can look at that if you'd like. That's great. So why don't you take us through uh, this a little bit and just explain, at Artisan, when we do small groups, or as we try to... Um, do more with small groups in the coming year. What, what are the values that are going to guide and shape that ministry here? Sure. Um, for values, uh, I'll just go through. Um, I think an important thing to value in a small group is uh, kind of a, a combination of grace and truth and providing that kind of environment. So a value is grace and truth. And when I say grace, I mean... Um, unmerited favor and uh, acceptance, total acceptance. Obviously, these are values. They're not things that will exist right off the bat. I know I have a long way to go as far as providing unmerited favor for people. But um, in, in combination or uh, not contrast to grace, but uh, also wrapped up in grace is this idea of truth where people can be... Um, true with each other about how they are, uh, how they're feeling, and also where um, um, we can look at the truth in Scripture and see how it reflects in our lives. And so the two are, uh, I don't know if I get ousted for saying this, but kind of, I, I like to think of it almost as a yin-yang, where they're, they're kind of just like, it's, it's two things, but it's really one thing when, you, when it's done correctly. A uh, great example, of course, is Jesus that, that talks about in the beginning of John how um, the word became flesh and um, provided grace and truth. Cool. Yeah. So grace oh, and truth. yes, other values. Uh, another thing we value is relationship, obviously, because it's a small group. Um, the point is to experience relationship with each other and, and reclaim um, or redeem um, the relationships that God intended us for, for us to have with each other and with him and to um, kind of experience um, a little bit of, of uh, what it was meant to be. So we value relationship in a group. Um, that looks like uh, people um, accepting and inviting each other into group being open to new experiences and new people and um, being present with each other. Yeah. Empty and present, I guess, <laughs> if you're into that. And uh, another value would be safety, um, the safety to say what, um, say, well, the safety to be who you are. Same with uh, prayer requests earlier. Um, um, to provide an environment where uh, what happens and is shared in the group stays in the group. And so uh, safety, or a place that is safe can foster true intimacy. Yeah. So those are some values. Cool. So grace and truth, relationships, and safety. Good. Now, if someone, um, some of the people in the room are already in, involved in small groups. If you're in a small group already and have begun to have this experience, whether it's been very recently or for some time now. Would you just raise your hand so we can see? Um, 
Cool. So maybe about a third or half of us right now have, have some version of this experience in our lives. Um, I would love to get to the point where um, more than half of us <laughs> are having that experience in our lives. And um, certainly if you're a member of Artisan, this is something that I would commend very highly to you. Um, but if somebody wanted to get involved with small groups, what is the process for that? I know we're still working this out, but as of right now, what is the process for that? Well, the process is pretty simple. Uh, you can talk to me or Scott or Jenny, Jenny, if you want to be involved. Also, you can talk to some of our small group leaders, um, Brian and Brittany. I know we're starting up a group very soon. I believe this Thursday. Yep, so you can talk to them. You can talk to... Going through my mind. There's other small group leaders. Keith is around, maybe. I don't morning. know. Uh, Corey and Tom Lake, I believe, are starting a group soon. Um, there's other ones out there. I kind of forget these things. but So if somebody didn't know any of those people... They should come talk to me or Scott. And yeah. we can introduce you and help you make friends, some new friends. So find a guy with short hair and a beard. <laughs> and that person will tell you where we are. <laughs> some are tall, some are not. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a bunch of us. <laughs> um, so we are eventually, and I hope sooner rather than later, going to have a publicized list of the groups that are um, going on that, that also have space to add new members right now. Some groups we have... That are, that are going on and they're just like in a living room that is already full and so it's not necessarily one that we want to send people to. But Anna and Elliot are here. They are here, yes. yes. They are also I think they have a little bit of room in their living room. But, uh, so we'll have a list that's available so that you don't have to necessarily come find one of us and it'll be on the website too. We're, uh, with apologies, we're a little bit behind on getting that ready to go. Um, but I'm really excited that some new groups are starting up. We have... Uh, three that are going to start in the next month that are brand new, never met before, and um, that's, that's really awesome. That's, I think, more than we've, um, it'll certainly be more groups going at one time than we've ever had before at Artisan, so we are uh, really excited to get this stuff going. So we have maybe seven minutes. Does anybody have questions for James or for me about small groups, what they are, how they look here? Dress code. Um, some are perpetual. Some are not. Some will. Mine, I usually go for, uh, well, in perpetuity, but except for the summers, because I like to be lazy during the summer. <laughs> um, but other ones starting up, maybe just start up for a while and then go for a while and then um, take a break. Yeah. So yeah. And we. <laughs> That's a Peyton Manning answer. I'm not sure what that means, but I think he's insulting you, Dan. <laughs> Omaha. <laughs> Omaha. Omaha. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Generally, yes. Generally, yes. They are going, they're ongoing. And it's, another thing to keep in mind is that we're starting three, and there's no guarantee that they're all going to like immediately take root. And sometimes things start, and they don't, they don't get the ball rolling. And so... We will be, we'll continue to take swings at this, to mix sports metaphors, and uh, we'll hopefully um, yeah, hit a home run, we'll move the ball down the field, yeah, we'll get closer to the cup, we'll uh, 
underscore our goal. We'll sink a pot eventually. <laughs> yeah. Did you have something, Dan? <laughs> yes, what's involved in starting a new group? That's a very nice leading question, Dan. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, as far as if you want to start a group, please uh, come talk to us. We would love to have you start a new group. Um, we have so much opportunity and so many people that want to start a group and um, not enough leaders. So if you feel like you might be able to do that, great. Also, um, let me break down what I do during the course of a, a, a small group week. I sit there, and we have a passage that we've picked out, and I ask the same five questions pretty much every single week. And uh, I do that because, like I may have mentioned before, I'm a little lazy. And, uh, <laughs> and, this is, and we have a good group, so um, you, you know, I just ask a few basic open questions, and people answer them, and discussion flows. And it's really not that hard as far as my job. Um, leading a group isn't easy. I don't want to, like, uh, play that down. It's not something um, for the faint of heart. But as far as, like, what the technical what do I do, it's, it's super easy. You ask a few questions, you discuss it, and then conversation flows from there. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. So it's important to, I would say, to to care about people and to have some organizational skills and to be willing to, to, um, to lead in the true sense of the word. But you don't have to have a Bible degree. You don't have to have deep knowledge of the scriptures. You don't have to have a special topic that you can teach on. Our groups do not tend to be um, like Sunday school style lessons and Bible studies in the in strict, strictest sense. So it doesn't require special knowledge. It requires kind of a special orientation of heart more than anything else and if you have that uh, we would love to talk to you because we do have probably more people who have expressed interest in being in a group than will fit into the number of groups that we have right now so yeah I'm not a preacher so I like don't want to do that in a group <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yes Ken Yes, Brian and Brittany yeah, are waving Thursday their hands. Group. They're a Thursday group. Uh, um, can you guys see each other well enough to connect following service? Oh, I see. Uh, Weekend uh, groups. <laughs> yes, uh, the publicity stuff we're working on as far as a list. Yeah, forthcoming. Sorry it's taking so long, but we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. In the meantime, yeah, ask and we'll help you find. Yeah. Good question. Are all the groups family friendly? I'm repeating these for the podcast. Oh, I know good. You heard him. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yes, generally, yes. Yeah, um, I know Corey and Tom Lake are interested in in uh, having a mostly family group, so that would be the one I'd start with if you for your family. Family, do you have to go to one of the family? No. Or if it's 
No. If I can tease people, we have the Sullivans go to our group, and they make it work because they have a great family that watch Noah for them. But we've had Sarah bring Noah, too, and that's great. I think as with most things at Artisan, um, it's it's family-friendly, and more often than not, it's the parents of the children that have more challenges. I know it's so totally true for me um, when you know we, we have a little one and I'm in a place where he's really not like fitting in with the culture of the room, if you know what I mean. That's like that's usually more challenging for me than for the other people in the room. Um, so I would say if you if you're a if you're a person with kids and you're interested in this, talk to us and we'll try to steer you to a small group that might fit really well for you and. Um, you know, we can talk to the leaders and see what they're thinking with that. But, but in general, we, we're not like a... We, I don't think we have any groups that have said absolutely no kids. <laughs> Just because, and sometimes with subject matter, that would be important to do, but I don't think that's the case right now. Yeah, Dan. Sure. Yep. Yep. It's. Uh, I think it's okay if you're starting a group to say this is going to be adult, adults only. That's that's acceptable. Just because we have sort of a, a policy in the sanctuary on Sundays that we're not going to boot children out of here, if parents want to keep them with them, doesn't mean that in this other setting it wouldn't sometimes be appropriate to say that. Yeah. And we handle those things with care for the most part. We do a good job of of being real with each other and, and gentle with each other about that. Thank you for pointing that out. Time for one or two more questions if we have them. I wonder, anybody in the room who's not in a small group who now is really thinking, I would like to get into one? We don't, we don't like to do show of hands here. Yes, I see that hand. Um, but... If that's you, you don't have, I'm not going to make you raise your hand right now, but if that's you and you are not in a group and weren't planning on getting in a group and you heard this conversation and now you think that you might want to, will you please promise to talk to James or to me after the service or to Jenny? Jenny, can you wave your hand around there? Um, because we don't want you to miss the opportunity to do this and, and uh, we don't want you to fall through the cracks. So if you've tried this before and you, it just hasn't taken root for you, it's time to try again. And we're going to do our best to help you through that process. All right. Thank you, James. Welcome. Thank you for all you do and uh, for the work you've done on this. Well, that is Faith at Home. Next week, we're going to begin a new series called Faith at Work. Really excited for this one. Really excited for this one. I have a special surprise that's 90% locked down for one of the weeks of the series, but I'm not going to tell you about it right now just because I don't... I don't want it in case it doesn't happen. I don't want to get your hopes up. But I'm really excited about it, and I know that you will be too once, it, once it's final and I can tell you about it. Um, but we spend lots of time at home. We spend probably more waking hours at work. So it's important to think about how we, as people of faith, get, get work that out in our jobs. Um, now, if you're astute and you've been paying attention really closely, you probably have noticed that there was supposed to be some more time in the Gospel of John between these two series and it just did not work out. We had to extend both of them by one week, and John got swallowed up. I'm sorry. I want to get back to the Gospel of John just as much as you, probably more, if I'm being honest. Um, but it's uh, unfortunately not going to happen until after, after Easter. 
at this point. Um, but we love the Gospel of John. We've, we've kind of spent some time in it over the, the past year or so. We'll get back to it as soon as, as soon as I can, I promise. So, but next week starts Faith at Work. So if you have thoughts and questions and want to be hearing about that, please come to that. And if you've got friends you'd like to invite um, who might be engaged by that topic, this is a good time to do that as well. So, All right. Um, let's respond now to the work that God has done in our lives, at home, at work, in the words of Scripture and elsewhere, by coming to the table to celebrate communion together. Uh, we'll continue to worship in song, uh, but I'd invite all of you who are following Jesus uh, to come to the table this morning as we invite you to come to the table each Sunday when we're together. Receive the bread and the juice or the wine, remembering Christ's sacrifice for you, receiving it as food for your souls, as my favorite uh, theologian John Wesley said, and do it as an act of unity with each other and Christians around the world. Um, so let's continue to worship him together and uh, respond to the Spirit's call in your life. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.